Welcome back, Housing News listeners. This is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you will be listening to Episode 2 of Season 3, which features Housing Wire Woman of Influence winner, Sherry Graziano. Graziano currently serves as the head of Mortgage Omni Experience at SunTrust, which has now been named Truist. In this week's episode, which was recorded two weeks ago during the nation's low interest rate debacle, Graziano explains why relationships are key in the housing space. Additionally, she discusses what the nation's low interest rate environment means for the mortgage industry as more and more lenders report a surge in both purchase and refinance demand. But before we listen, Clayton will bring you a word from our sponsors. Going into the third season of Housing News, we're thrilled to welcome our sponsors, ArchMI and Quicken Loans Mortgage Services. With interest rates at historical lows, refinances are booming. How do you win this business? It's simple. Lower the MI premium for your borrower. The newest feature of Arch's innovative RateStar platform, the RateStar Refinance Retention Program, makes it possible. Eligible borrowers with loans already insured by ArchMI can refinance into new loans with a lower MI premium payment. Give your refi customers a better deal. If you'd like to learn more about how RateStar powers possibilities, visit archmi.com forward slash RateStar Refi. And to learn more about Quicken Loans Mortgage Services, visit QL mortgageservices.com. Thank you for listening. And here's episode two of season three of the Housing News Podcast. Hey, Housing News listeners, this is Clayton Collins and welcome to season three of the Housing News Podcast. Like always, we're really excited to bring on a special guest. Today we have Sherry Graziano, the head of Mortgage Omni Experience at SunTrust, uh, which is now called Truist. Sherry, welcome to Housing News. Thanks, Clayton. Appreciate you having me. So this is a, a special episode on a few fronts. One, we are recording this on Monday, March 9th, so which is the day after International Women's Day. And Sherry is a former, or, or I guess not former, but is a winner of Housing Wire's Women of Influence Award. So we're really pumped to promote women in the mortgage and housing industry. And uh, our, our team has been focused on um, celebrating and helping create and enable opportunities for women in the industry for, for over a decade. So this is kind of fortuitous timing, but uh, Cherry, really happy that you are a woman of influence and, uh, and are on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's important that we all continue to pay it forward for future generations. So happy to see your uh, engagement and happy to be here. Awesome. And uh, also, Monday, March 9th, we are facing a pretty wild day in the, the economy, in the markets, in the housing industry. At time of recording, the, the Dow Jones is, is down 1,500 some points. Uh, we have uh, economic concerns about a, uh, a war on the price of oil, and uh, the oil prices are down 30%. And all of that is putting even more pressure on the interest rate market, and we're seeing just ridiculous all-time lows in mortgage interest rates. And uh, I think a lot of those topics will kind of come into play during this conversation, Sherry, because I know it's something that's impacting both of our businesses right now. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty, plenty for us to talk about. I think you could agree. Busy day. So Sherry, let, let's kick off with a little more about you. Like We've had the opportunity to get to know you over the last few years uh, as we've watched your, your progress and, um, and the progress at SunTrust and Truist. But I want to make sure our audience knows who you are and, and what you do. So I'd love to kind of start with the beginning for, 
for you in the mortgage industry? How did you get started and what attracted you to join the mortgage industry? Yeah, so this is um, really exciting and, and fun to share when you go back and reflect on your past and sort of where you come from. So probably like many um, of your listeners, I did not study mortgage banking in college, um, fell into it and somehow never got out. Um, love what we do and love what we stand for and, and quite frankly, making dreams of homeownership come true. But I started my career as a loan officer. Um, straight out of college, fell into a training program with a company by the name of PHH Mortgage based out of Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Um, I spent the better part of eight years with that organization, fabulous organization, great culture, um, and started as a loan officer, then became a sales trainer with that organization, and then had an opportunity to move back to Florida, which is where I was born and raised, and work with some of our builders um, during the market and times when we had an awful lot of apartments being converted to condos, worked with builders from you know all over the southeast that were converting apartment complexes into condos and spent some time in that space. Um, really, really great eight years with PHH, enjoyed every bit of it, still have some really great friends from that organization that are now thought leaders all over the industry. Um, and then went on to become a loan officer for a period of time with Bank of America, spent some time with MetLife, um, and then eventually joined SunTrust in 2011 um, and have had a really exciting career here with SunTrust and, and now Truist. Um, really started again, joined as a loan officer, and then moved into a sales excellence role um, and supported sales strategy, change management. Uh, from there, moved into an operations role, um, which I would say at the point in time was um, not so sure that that was in a journey I wanted to take and it was absolutely the best career move I could have made. Um, just learned an incredible amount from the operations team in the state of Florida and then moved into a mortgage transformation role and now with Truist, the new organization, a lead on the experience. So I've had a chance to sort of try my hand at all things sales, sales strategy, operations, and now technology and sort of bringing that all together to create a differentiated mortgage client experience. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a fun well, very cool. You learn something new every day. I did not know you were also a native Floridian. I, I grew up in Vero Beach and uh, been, uh, until moving out to Texas, but most of my life in Florida. Um, so pleasure talking to another native Floridian. Yeah. Well, hey, go Gators. <laughs> Gators. Um, so Sherry, that, that was a good overview of, of your path. Kind of knowing a little bit about your, your background, I do know that you became an early or a a very top producer and great producer at an early stage in your career. What separated you and what, what kind of helped you become a top producer uh, in those early years of your career in production? Yeah, uh, so I, I would attribute it to relationships. So the one thing I, I do spend a lot of time talking with folks about is how valuable relationships are and creating a level of trust. And I'm a firm believer, I have an equation on my whiteboard that says relationships build trust and trust builds confidence. And when you think about building out your circle of influence from, you know, your realtors to your financial advisors and um, attorneys and, and settlement agents and things of that nature, folks that really help you build and drive your business, uh, relationships are ultimately at the heart of everything we do. Um, so in my opinion, I think that's probably number one. And I'd say the second thing is, as a loan officer in particular, do you really understand the value of truly listening to your client's unique needs? And are you consultative in nature? Um, and, you know, all too often our industry, like others, sometimes can be seen as just sort of a product pusher, if you will. And if you really are great at what you do as a loan officer, you truly stop and understand exactly what you're trying to help a client do. 
um, and then provide solutions that really helps them meet their needs. So um, in my opinion, it's probably the combination of both of those things, being a really excellent listener, consultative in nature, um, and building really strong relationships. So with that focus on relationships, and it sounds like it's something that you enjoyed quite a bit, how did you make the decision, decision to jump from origination to operations and leadership? So um, I would say that was not necessarily just Sherry Graziano's decision. Um, I came to a point in my business where it was, it was so good um, and my book was really, really strong that it became almost more than I could handle. Um, I had, at the time, two young boys and um, I struggled with finding balance, quite frankly, um, in my career as a loan officer and, you know, you got to a point where I, I seven days a week, all hours of the day, you're trying to serve as many clients as you can because what we do, of course, is, is again, admirable in helping folks get into homes and people buy homes um, at off-cycle hours, right, at nights, on the weekends, etc. And I had a, a really great conversation with a mentor of mine at the time was the head of um, all of Originations for SunTrust and said, you know, I'm really struggling. I love what I do, but my boys are very young and, you know, they're both playing baseball and I want to be able to commit my time and find that balance. And what else might I be um, considering right now to be able to still stay in the housing industry and really make an impact? And the suggestion to me at that point was to kind of cut over and, and consider a role in um, sales excellence where I could still make an impact for all of our loan officers and, and really drive more of the strategy to support sales and thinking through different programs we could develop, change management aspects for sales at a time when we were rolling out um, the dreaded trid word that everybody knows and remembers those days. They needed some extra folks to come from the field who could help in that capacity. And I would say that was a defining moment for me in my career, um, sort of hang up my hat as a loan officer after several successful years um, and move into more of a, a corporate role, if you will, and begin that transition in my career journey. Um, and I, I look back and I still keep in touch with that mentor. I'm forever grateful to him um, that I did sort of take that leap of faith because it was not easy, but it was a really, really um, wise decision for me and quite frankly, for my family. So the, the responsibilities you're describing there, working with originators and helping uh, teach and, and coach on that focus on relationship, it sounds like it has some very strong uh, correlations to your to your current title as head of Omni Experience. Uh, how did how did how did that role prepare you for for what you're doing today in this new role at Truist? Yeah, so I think you know it's interesting when you move out of an individual LO role and really focus on driving your individual business, and you sort of need that stepping stone, if you will, to then begin to understand how does all of that come together from your individual contributor as an, an LO driving your own you know business per se into that broader business strategy. So when I was in that role in sales enablement, um, you know we were responsible for building out uh, an onboarding and training program, not only for new hire loan officers coming on, but also built out a college training program, our mortgage loan associate program. Um, there were sales readiness initiatives, reward and recognition programs, which are critical to driving change initiatives. And at that role, I not only supported the retail uh, channel, but also our consumer direct and correspondent lending divisions. So I was really afforded an opportunity to learn more about the business unit as a whole versus just maybe one facet or area of the business that I knew um, fairly well from being, you know, in the field all day, every day. And so I feel like, you know, you always look back and say, well, what did I learn from that role that helped me get to the next step? When you think about today leading Omni Experience and really beginning to think about 
the amount of information that clients have at their disposal and the role that technology plays and how we serve clients when, where, and how they want. Um, you know, I think over time, when you think about going back to the loan officer and the individuals, look, our LOs play an incredible value in the organization. And there's a combination that clients are searching for, which, which includes technology, tools and technology, just based on what's available in the marketplace, coupled with that human touch and that relationship. And when you really put those two pieces together, you can build trust for your clients and have a really great client uh, experience that drives loyalty to the broader Truist brand. That, that's really interesting. So I think the on you're pivoting us very well to that broader Truist brand. So in June 2019, BB&T and SunTrust uh, announced a rebrand as Truist. This is just a, a few months after the announcement of a merger of equals. Um, this was a pretty, I, I think I remember we were actually on stage at our 2019 Engage.Marketing Summit in Charlotte um, when, uh, when, the, when you announced the, the rebrand to Truist. I'd love to hear about what Truist means for the organization and, and how you landed on that, on that brand and that name. Yeah, so it's exciting. You probably remember the um, the purple, perhaps, as well, right? So, you know, when you think about what Truist stands for, and I think this is just, it's a totally awesome opportunity for us. We're creating a new company that's bold, that's transformative in vision, and you think about the investments we're making in technology to truly create not only distinctive client experiences, but teammate experiences as well. Um, obviously, a lot of work ahead of us. But I do believe pulling these two organizations together that we are well positioned to create meaningful change for the clients we serve and quite frankly, the communities that we all live, work and play in. You know, our purpose is all around inspiring and building better lives and communities. And I, I personally can't think of a better brand um, that will take us sort of to the future state as well. It's really purpose driven cultures and work that will ensure that we're delivering on positive experiences for our clients. So in terms of timing, was it, was it debated like whether or not to in, roll the brand out in advance of the, the close of the official merger or, or was that strategic to start kind of getting, bringing the cultures together, um, I guess what, five or six months before the, the acquisition or, or merger actually uh, was consummated? So I'm not involved in those um, conversations, but what I can tell you is, as we think about going from the announcement of a merger to then thinking about how are you going to design the organization and begin to bring you know, two organizations together and build that culture, make sure you have an alignment on your purpose, your mission, your values. I think the timing was really, really special. And that as we you know, begin to have conversations around roles, responsibilities, and who would be involved in the organization go forward as well, it's really critical that you have an alignment around your purpose, your mission, your values, and you know directionally uh, what that new organization is going to stand for. I mean, I'll tell you for me um, personally, as I think through the opportunity of sort of this whiteboard of what's possible, the art of the possible, and creating an inclusive and energizing environment, and we can empower our teammates to learn and grow and have meaningful careers with us. It's really important that you um, know what you're going to stand for from a purpose point of view and what you're looking to deliver for your clients and your stakeholders. Um, so I think the timing was really, really important as we begin to bring two organizations together and quite frankly, think about future building the future together. Growing up in the Southeast, both brands, SunTrust and BB&T are pretty iconic for me. And when the, uh, when the merger was initially announced and then the subsequent rebrand, it was kind of shocking to think about two such 
strong brands uh, kind of going to the wayside for for this new um, this this new brand Truist. Has that been a a challenge with with depository clients or team members who've been part of the organization for for years or decades? Like, how has everyone evolved to this and and integrated into this this new culture and new brand? So, um, you know, I think there's a bit of nostalgia, right? I think you hit on it, and I'll you know share personally. I think for me in particular, you know, I joined at the time. SunTrust in a, in a time which the market was, you know, unstable, right? We know what happened in housing um, back in, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, and the reason I joined SunTrust at the time was brand recognition and, quite frankly, a brand that was known in the marketplace and wasn't going to be just closing their doors, you know, tomorrow for sake of um, another sort of bump in the road. Um, it was my grandfather's bank. It was SunBank. Again, I was born and raised in Florida. Um, and so there was a little bit of, right, the comfort in knowing you were going somewhere that was strong and stable. Um, all of that to say, I think there's nostalgia that each teammate probably carries as well as our clients. Um, we've done a lot of listening sessions, empathy sessions. I personally have been able to participate and um, hear firsthand from clients what they're concerned about as part of the merger as well. So we can really be thoughtful as we go forward in crafting, you know, messaging and engaging with those clients as well. Um, all of that to say everyone's got some level of emotional tie from their previous organizations, whether it be a client or a teammate. But there's also a level of excitement, I think, that's on the horizon when you think about net new and you think about the art of the possible, the future state, and how do we collectively come together to be a very large organization but still have that high touch and that feel and connection with our clients which sets you know both of the organizations apart perhaps from um, previously from competitors so you think about our values and what we really hold true to around trust and being caring and, and delivering for our clients as one team um, it feels different at Truist I can tell you that uh, all of the, the teammates were very excited with the brand unveiling um, and I can just see the rallying that will come behind that as we begin on our journey forward together to really um, create the, the new the new future state for Truist. Interesting. So outside of the, the integration of the, the culture and brands, what have been some of the most challenging and, and interesting parts of integrating to such large organizations and, and in the mortgage industry specifically? Uh, if, I, if I have my numbers correct, the combination of the businesses makes uh, Truist the, the sixth largest lender in the country. Um, or at least that was the the, the case when uh, when the merger was finalized. How is that part of the the merger of equals gone for for you and the team? Yeah, so it's a great question, and it's a question we get frequently. And I, I you know, look with anything, there's there's going to be opportunities and it's how you look at the opportunity. So a few things, I think what's exciting is, you know, back to the initial commentary around investments in technology and really thinking about future states to be transformative. When I step back and say we're bringing together two organizations, you've got essentially two sets of products and you've got two sets of processes and you've got two sets of technology on average for just about everything across the entire organization. And so what, what I personally find um, fun and exciting and quite frankly an opportunity is to step back and, and ask ourselves in everything we're doing, um, should we adopt the heritage BB&T process? Should we adopt the heritage SunTrust process? Should we be thinking about 
something new, right? And so you really have an opportunity to challenge um, everything from, you know, your processes, your product suites, um, quite frankly, you know, how are you aligning talent around certain things? What about your organizational structure? So um, to your point, it's a lot of opportunity. Um, a lot of hard work. I won't go without saying that. I, I would say the amount of time, effort, and energy, and it's because everyone has great intentions, but lots of conversations on just about everything in the organization on decisions that we're looking to make um, so that we really make a good, strong decision. We don't just sort of arc to what is, quote, unquote, the easiest. Um, and so for that, I feel like it's incredibly exciting. It's a lot of opportunity. It's a lot of work. Probably the, the biggest, to your point, challenge in bringing two large organizations together is thinking about how might we do things differently, sort of the art of the possible versus just arcing to what we know best in either heritage organization and going down that path. So not only integrating two extremely large organizations, but doing it at a time when the fire hose turns on. So to being cognizant, <laughs> being cognizant of where we are in the market right now, um, uh, rates have been falling for the better part of, of 2019 and really escalated in the first two and a half, three, three months of this year. And uh, we're seeing a, a, a huge refi boom, like a crazy refi boom. We're seeing capacity issues across the industry. Every LO we're talking to has already like said, sign R to their families. I'll see you when rates go back up. I'm working. And, uh, yep. and that is a, a dynamic that is happening at every organization with the, the most well-polished and well-oiled machines to, to new lenders and, and brokers and, um, and consumer direct shops. How does that, that fire hose turning on in like the early stages of an integration impact that, that strategy? Yeah, so it's a great question, and it's, it's when we wake up and ask ourselves every day, what's the next surprise going to be, right? So um, in this industry, as we were saying earlier, right, change is the only constant. So a couple things. One, I think, as you think about just unprecedented interest rate environment, record-breaking app activity, with, you know, just to what you pointed out, the entire industry is grappling with capacity challenges. And so as we think about not only integration and you know back to the point earlier thinking through things like ecosystems and and how do you um, drive change management in a time when you also have just unprecedented volume make decisions right you've got short and long-term plans not only around how do you support capacity but also around your change management and rethinking what maybe you had um, possibly you know drawn out as your landscape and onboarding infrastructure and thinking through um, that integration effort you know you're forced to you know stop and also ask yourself the question of how much is too much change at one point in time? How much can your teammates take on? What about, you know, the impacts to client experience? So all of those are, are conversations we're having on a very regular basis. Again, every day, um, you know, we have additional conversations. I think what's most important is that we think about not only short but long-term plans as well and taking care of our clients and delivering on the right experience. You know, at the end of the day, our teammates, are so incredibly important and I think there's no one in the industry that would disagree again you know having spent time in an operations shop our operations teammates are going to be working really really hard lots of hours right and because they're committed to deliver for our clients and at the end of the day we owe it to them as an organization to also provide um, any other resources we can to help them possibly execute even better build additional capacity and really sustain things through what we all know to be a very volatile marketplace in the last few weeks, we've seen several lenders make 
pretty big staffing adjustments to, to handle the volume. We saw um, Quicken fold their reverse business into their into their forward uh, rocket mortgage uh, business. Um, we saw we saw Chase reallocate their their home equity uh, department into their mortgage department. Um, I think there were strategic rationales on both of those, but the biggest being we need headcounters to support this production volume. Uh, coming into a situation where you have two uh, mortgage operations and fulfillment teams coming together is that potentially an, an advantage that you have at this stage in the at this stage in the game as you are coming in I from what seems the outside pretty well resourced yeah so to your point right you have to think about size and scale but also recognize that both heritage organizations you know as of December were still operating independently right until the merger closed so you know similar to others are we looking at ways to build additional capacity with possibly you know other hiring and things of that nature yes we're exploring all all different strategies but um, to your point we do feel like we're well resourced from both organizations coming together and thinking through what other options do we have to ensure Sure that folks are really thriving on all, all cylinders, quite frankly. And um, again, I, you know, to be cognizant of what work folks already had coming into the integration um, as, you know, the merger closed in early December. Uh, we're now, you know, call it a few months into actually pulling two organizations together for full integration and full integration will, you know, take some time. It doesn't happen overnight, as you, you can imagine. So scale is on our side over time, uh, but certainly also looking at, you know, what levers can we pull today to really ensure that we're building capacity and supporting our teammates. We owe it to our teammates in order for them to be able to deliver the best client experience that our clients deserve. Awesome. So can you tell me a little more about Truist retail mortgage strategy? So, so where do your originators sit? Like, are, they in, are they in bank branches? Do you have standalone retail um, production offices? I just want to learn, learn more about the business strategies as, as it is today. Yep, so we do have um, both, when you think about retail, we do have loan officers that are uh, throughout the footprint. Um, some, you know, working within, you know, what would you know to be a historic brick and mortar branch office, um, others in standing mortgage offices. Uh, we also have call centers, so direct to consumer, um, where we have teammates staffed as well to support um, our client care centers, as well as client contact centers, and obviously our servicing teammates when they have inquiries and things of that nature as well. And we also have obviously online digital tools and, and technology um, available for our clients that can field to different distribution channels. So we do have um, folks all over our footprint. And again, you, you, know, you outlined and know very well where that is. Very, very strong presence in the Southeast, all the way up into Pennsylvania and other areas. Um, but we do have teammates throughout the footprint uh, in the retail space, and then again, the direct-to-consumer channel. And again, increasing, especially with times of capacity and what you're looking at with you know, the interest rates where they are, a lot of clients also exploring just quickly online. And we do have those digital tools and technology where they can apply online. And then we have loan officers that do make outreach from there. So um, several different ways in which we can engage with our clients. All right, interesting. So, so I started my career at City and, and spent some years in the financial centers and then went on to our national sales and marketing team where we led uh, cross-sell of, of mortgage and credit card and small business banking products to our, to our depository base. At the time, that was the, that was the model I knew. That's where I started my career. And since uh, evolving and joining HousingWire, I learned a lot more about the, the mortgage banking model and, and uh, uh, the wholesale market, and I'm, I'm as you think about all, have all these pieces work together. I, I feel like the depository uh, re retail uh, model 
has some really big advantages in a in this refi market. Can you tell me a little more about how your your mortgage um, your mortgage team, your originators, uh, work with your financial centers and and depository relationships to to grow a mortgage business? Yeah. So um, th first, thank you for asking. You are correct. It's an incredible opportunity. Um, we have a great relationship with our retail community bank partners, as well as our wealth partners and others. And when you really think about bringing these two heritage organizations together, um, to what no, you know, is no secret of over 10 million bank households collectively as truest. We have incredible opportunity. Um, so I would start by saying one great relationship. Our loan officers do work hand in hand with our retail community banking partners to support those clients. And you know, as you think through client expectations changing, how are clients working with you know the local branches, brick and mortar offices, and at what point in time are loan officers getting engaged? Right, our loan officers are there to serve our clients, whether it be meeting face face, whether it be a client picking up the phone and calling, um, whether they, a client quite frankly finds us online, right? I mean, I had over the weekend, probably no surprise to anyone, no less than three friends in three different cities reach out saying, hey, I don't know exactly what you do in the mortgage business, but I know that you're in mortgage and can you help me? I need to refinance. I'm thinking about cashing out or, you know, reducing my rate. And so I think, you know, when you begin to really step back and say, where is that opportunity for us? We have an incredible opportunity with Truist as we think through not only you know, new client acquisition as we're thinking about driving household growth to the bank, we have an opportunity to your point earlier to help drive the bank and grow the bank. Um, we, you know, our loan officers in the retail space are out working with builders, working with realtors, working with possibly financial advisors, and they also source clients that maybe have no relationship with Truist at all. Um, and their first relationship is with truest in the mortgage lending space and what an incredible opportunity if we really do deliver for that client a really great experience to be able to offer them the entire truest suite of solutions that might help their financial needs and when you think about to your point earlier the flip side of that with our retail community banking partners we work hand in hand um, the clients that are the 10 million household clients of the bank should also have the opportunity to engage if they have any type of mortgage need whether that be purchasing a home thinking about purchasing or quite frankly refinancing, which to your point earlier, there's a lot of that right at the moment just with inquiries of how can I continue to really make sure that I'm set on the path for financial success and our advisors that are in the local branch networks who are meeting with clients, um, whether it be over the phone or face-to-face -face when they come in and they have those really consultative conversations, loan officers can play a really pivotal role in helping a client with their cash flow on a monthly basis um, or quite frankly, that next step in their journey of, of home ownership. So it, as we talk about this current market right now, one of the things we're hearing this week as rates kind of continue to fall in rates like just go all over the place and are flexing up and down every every couple hours uh, is we're seeing um, loans uh, refi specifically kind of fall out of the pipe more quickly borrowers asking for for rate roll downs how are you guys handling how is truest handling the uh, capitulation in, in the rate market and these these rapid changes and also some kind of consumer confusion or consumer misperceptions based off uh, headlines or, or Fed actions? So, you know, I would start with this, right? When you think about the role that the capital markets team plays in really supporting the business, our capital markets team, they're incredible partners. And so I start there because I think, you know, all too often folks can work in silos and say, well, I'm only focused on, you know, 
driving new application volume for the LOs, or I'm only focused on, you know, ensuring I have capacity to support what's coming through the door. And really at Truist for us, we've got teams that are working together. I personally can tell you I've sat on call after call last week, a lot of time talking through, you know, a strategy with the capital markets team involved in that conversation around, you know, how will we be thinking about the demand for possibly a longer period of time, right? No surprise to anyone, read the news of the day. Um, and what does that really mean around, you know, margins and how should we be thinking about managing capacity? And again, collectively making decisions on how we operate as one team to really ensure that not only we're protecting, um, to your point, right, protecting our portfolio, but also serving, quite frankly, our clients and our teammates. Um, our teammates are out there working really hard, and you know, I'll put my LO hat on for a minute, but I remember the days when you lock an entire pipeline, you had a huge pipeline, and then as quick as you had clients locked, they're all walking out the back door because, to your point, rates drop again, right? Or they hear that rates drop again. And at the end of the day, um, I'll never forget this analogy someone made to me very early on in my career, and I think it, it still holds true. It's like, hey, look, once you find an interest rate that you are comfortable with and you lock, don't look back, right? Are you really going to go through this exercise of going and, and possibly spending hours and hours on the phone with multiple people to find out that you may or may not be able to save a tenth of a percent? The reality is that generally speaking, you know, most of the lenders are all within, you and I both know this, a range, right? Um, and, and at the end of the day, if it makes sense for a consumer to refinance to achieve their purpose, is it because I'm trying to cash out equity in my home? Is it because I'm trying to move from an arm to a fixed rate mortgage? You sort of, what are those needs we're trying to meet? If the consumer feels really good about refinancing and locking their rate to get to where they want to go for their journey, um, I think that's the most important um, important piece in, in all of it is, you know, our, the loan officers do work really, really hard, but as, as anyone knows, and you, you articulated earlier really well, capacity is still going to be a capacity constraint for the foreseeable future. And when folks are already, you know, call it down the pipeline and well past the point of having an appraisal done and supplying documents and getting to the point where they're waiting on final approval, you know, as a consumer, are you really wanting to stop? and start all over again for maybe an eighth of a percent difference in interest rate. On average, I think most clients are going to tell you no, um, having been there before, but we are certainly working with our capital markets teams, thinking through everything from, you know, as mortgage rates possibly continue to be you know, dropping and or lower longer, as we all call it, what does that mean for prepayment speeds? What about an increase in refi? What about, you know, from a you know pressure on rates, et cetera, et cetera. We're having all of those conversations collectively, but I think the important piece is collectively as a leadership team between sales, operations, capital markets, and entire team strategy is not just one team working on their own. So Sherry, I'm not gonna ask you to crystal ball gaze and predict interest rates or, or make a forecast of what purchase for refi volume will look like this year. But I am very curious as we, as we look forward in, in 2020, strategically, how are you telling your team to get prepared for the, the next nine months of this year? What, what, what are you preparing for from like a market condition perspective? And, and how can all the originators listening to this podcast today be as prepared as possible for the remainder of 2020? Yeah, so um, one E your Wheaties, right? I think all of us would agree. And, <laughs> um, you know, as someone said to me the other day, a friend up in Northern Virginia, he said, gosh, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to and I feel like I don't leave, right? I, I'm in the office and I just don't leave. Um, the reality is, look, there's uncertainty in the market, right? We, you know, it, it, 
we'll just say it. We'll put it out there. At the moment, we, we know there's a the virus that continues to weigh on the market, and there's wide swings in both directions. And as we know that investors are likely going to remain on edge for a period of time, we see all-time lows. Um, at the at the end of the day, from a mortgage perspective, and what does it mean to me as a loan officer? Again, I go back to, do you know what you're looking to do to serve a client? And do clients really see a benefit? You know, I've been asked several times by media outlets, hey, how do I even know if refinancing is right for me? And so the role the loan officer is playing and being consultative in nature and truly stopping and listening to what a client's needs are, it's critical that we take the time to really understand what those needs are versus just churning, you know, what we'll say, churning the portfolio, right, and just refinancing for sake of refinancing. In certain markets, it's very expensive to refinance, and if a client just closed on a home, you know, within the last year, does it really benefit them? Does it not? Um, how long are they going to be in the home, right? It's thinking through, do you have enough equity? Is it the right decision? I think if, if, as a loan officer, and again, go back and put on my, and my hat in the LO days, if we truly are doing what's right for our clients, we're listening, we're consultative in nature, do we really understand what it is that a client needs, wants, and desires, and are we meeting them where they need to be met with the right advice? And sometimes that might be telling a client this isn't the right time to refinance, right? Maybe you're thinking about moving in the next six months. Again, maybe you're thinking about purchasing. You know, I would say it's going to be a very interesting spring market. We know that the Fed's meeting again on the 18th of March, um, so more to come there. But I do think it'll be interesting to see how, as the market conditions sort of, to your point, waver daily. Um, as we sit here, I'm watching the 10-year Treasury at, you know, 0.499. Um, I think all of us collectively would agree that we didn't expect that coming, um, not in March. And so as we think about what is, what is, you know, going into the spring, summer months really look like and will that have a change at all? I think we're going to be incredibly busy, but, you know, most importantly, we still have to focus on our purchase clients that are looking to purchase homes and certainly support those clients who are looking to refinance. And I do believe folks are going to be working um, an awful lot of time, um, effort, energy, and, and not only for the LOs, for the ops folks as well. I mean, again, I go back and say that I spent time in an operations center um, if you're a loan officer uh, that is currently listening to this podcast, I hope you are thanking your operations team daily for the effort that they're putting in to take your clients um, through that journey and get them, you know, into the home if they're purchasing or helping them save some money on a monthly basis with the refinance or accomplish their needs. That the role that our operations teammates plays is so critical um, in delivering a distinctive client experience that. I just there's there are no amount of thank yous we can give our ops teammates, but I do think you know look it's it's hold on it's going to be a little bit of a wild ride probably into the spring into the summer. The reality is we all know what we need to do: focus on what's best for our clients, listen to our clients' needs, and really make sure that we're delivering consultative solutions and building trust with our clients. Deliver great relationships. Well, Sherry, this episode's either going to age really well or we're going to put it in a time capsule and call it like the episode we recorded when the 10-year was less than 50 basis points. I mean, this is <laughs> an insane, insane time we're working in right now. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with your focus on, uh, on staying the course and keeping your team confident and focused on client interaction and experience. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you uh, back on next season and we can catch up and see how well this episode aged. <laughs> Sounds good. Have a good one, okay? Thanks a lot, Sherry.
Thank you again for tuning in to season three of the Housing News Podcast. And one more thank you to our sponsors, Quicken Loans, Mortgage Services, and ArchMI. And please don't forget to rate the show and leave us feedback on iTunes. We'll see you next week.